welcome to Leo Roundtable at leoroundtable.com. My name is Chip DeBlock, and I'm your host. We're a group of law enforcement professionals that talk about the news and the issues for we do it from a law enforcement perspective. And let me go ahead and introduce the crew to you guys, if you don't mind waiting for the video portion of our show. And uh, see, we start off with uh, Captain Brett Bartlett, and we have Lieutenant Randy Sutton, Corporal David D. Gresta, Producer Will Statzer. So thanks, guys, for being on the show. Also, a shout out to our sponsors. We have Motion DSP. We have Guardian Alliance Technologies, GunLearn.com, MyMedicare.Live, Tactote. And we also have Bang Energy that's fueling, fueling us. So uh, thanks to all those entities for helping make the show happen. We're on Rumble. This is Butters the Channel. And again, for our podcast and radio listeners, I'll describe in great detail what's going on in the video so you, you don't feel like you're missing anything. So body cam video shows Miami Township police shoot man accused of stabbing and killing a woman. Out. Drop the knife. Drop the knife. Drop. You got the, you got the, he's not going to taser. He'll come at me. So Joshua uh, Ambergy, the uh, man accused of stabbing, was shot by Miami Township Police. So officers uh, were called for stabbing around 1 o'clock in the afternoon on Tuesday. When they get there, they find uh, Melissa Ambergy, same last name, who had been stabbed multiple times. So Joshua flees the scene. A detective and officer, so two cops, they found Joshua down the road at a residence. Police said that he's holding a butcher knife. So body cam footage from Miami Township Police shows the officers when they find him, they, it's in the backyard of a residence and it's on a it's on a, a concrete slab in the back of the house. So it's not screened in or anything, just it's on the back backyard slab. So the two officers were repeatedly yelling at him to drop the knife. So he holds the knife above his head and he starts running at the officers. So you can see uh, one officer's got a taser, so he attempts to light him up. Taser doesn't hit him, and the other officer fires two rounds from his gun, and one of those rounds hits our bad guy, Joshua. So that's the way that goes down. We've got about two and a half minutes. Any uh, critique on that? Mm -hmm. um, listen, a, a nice job done by the officers that responded to this. The detective, I think he was in somewhat in plain clothes or, or not a, not a, a, uh, uh, a normal uniform. Um, as he comes around the, the, the corner of the house, sees the guy on the porch, he continues to flare out to the side. Uh, the, the second officer comes and stops. So they're separated. They're not tight together. So they, they get, get a little separation for themselves. This, the, officer, the, the second officer whose body camera we watch, when he comes around the corner, you can hear him say, you stay lethal. I'm going to try taser. And he switches. Um, but just as he does that, the guy says, oh, that ain't happening, raises the knife up and charges at the detective. He had the taser in his hand. He took the, but at that point, there was no, there was no separation between taser shot and, and lethal use of force. The detective was on the trigger as soon as he broke into that run. The guy threw the taser probes at him. I don't know why, but it was in his hand, so I guess he had to let it go. Uh, but other than that, they did a good job. There was no backing up. Uh, they, they held their ground. This guy charged. They put him down. Um, nice job. I've got a problem with the taser on this one. This is, this is nothing but a deadly force encounter. So one officer says, get, a, get the taser. Okay, great. What if, what if he charges the guy with the taser and the taser doesn't work and the officer with the gun misses? Because what, what two things must we have to assume we're going to miss and the shots aren't going to work? I don't see the reason for the taser. The guy with the knife, threatening manner, it, 
I, here's what I would yell to the other officer. Hey, get your cannon. Get your tank. Get your tactical nuclear device because this guy's got the big knife. I think I think the taser was a mistake here. Wow. All right, Lieutenant, we got 43 seconds. Well, this is what's happening across the country, though. People are using uh, tasers inappropriately because they're afraid to use uh, deadly force. Um, I'm, I'm, I'll tell you a story. No, I'm not going to tell you a story. But I'm going to – I changed my mind. But – what we're seeing across the country is this this um, in, incredible fear that officers are going to be feeling that they're going to be prosecuted if they don't use inappropriate force, and it, such as a taser, in a deadly force situation. This is killing and wounding our cops. Thanks, Lieutenant Randy and guys. Uh, thank you, MVS, Michael, MVS, for supporting the show. Appreciate it. Um, you know, let me just start off uh, with a uh, an update here on Police One. It's Milwaukee PD replaces duty firearms after three officers have been wounded following accidental discharges. Um, I know, David, really. Now, this is all over Brett's neck of the woods. I can Brett's going to start fanning himself in a minute because, you know, he's the gun guy. So every Milwaukee police officer will be trading in their duty firearm for a new model after three members of the department were wounded, were wounded after their current holstered firearm accidentally discharged. I want to hear Captain Brett explain that. So according to WTMJ News, the Milwaukee PD recently announced that it's going to transition from its current gun. Now they have a Sig Sauer P320 pistol, and they're going the Glock. And it's going to cost them about $450,000 to do this. And according to Police Chief Jeffrey Norman, he tells WTMJ News that these unexplained discharges are a serious concern from the members. Now, the Milwaukee Police Association, the union, they previously filed a lawsuit against the city of Milwaukee over their continued use of the Sig Sauer, uh, despite the technical difficulties the weapon had been experiencing. So the president of the association said that they're going to be dropping the lawsuit because the city is going to discontinue the use of the gun. So there we got it. Look, Sig makes some great guns, but there may be an issue with this one. I don't I don't know. I mean, I, I have a P226 that I absolutely, it's my best gun that I have. What do you think, Captain? A couple of years ago, there was an issue where a Sig 320 got dropped, certain angles, certain height, and went off. Um, lawsuits were filed. Sig Sauer offered to, at no charge, upgrade the trigger. Now, whether they upgraded the trigger because there was a problem or they upgraded the trigger to stop a perception of a problem, I really don't know. But I've heard this before about the Sig, so I can't say, well, it's an operator problem. With that many people having it, I don't know. But I'm, I'm not going to give an opinion yet because <clears throat> I don't have the facts and, it's, and the studies to prove it, but there is something going on that, that you can't discount at this moment. Yeah, and it's it's been more than just that. There's been there was a couple, one or two, I think, locally here um, in in Florida. Uh, it's you know these strange discharges that we kind of now there have been some that they have gotten on video where it was operator error. I will say that guys screwing around with their gun, you know, in their holsters or whatnot, and and, and it went off. So there's both sides of that, but there's like Brett said, there's now there's too many. Now it's like okay, it, oh, there's just too many. And I don't know what SIG did with this pistol, but like you said, Chip, the, the, the 226, the P, the, the, that SIG Sauer P226 that, that I carried was the same thing. I mean, flawless pistol. Why, why are you changing something that's not broke, SIG? But beyond that, yeah, there's too many of those. Something's, mm, something's amiss. Well, the whole idea of the 320, the way it was built, was ingenious. But here's what you got. You've got people... Uh, designing and building it people you know uh subject to flaws and mistakes and you got people carrying the gun 
subject to flaws and mistakes, and it's just a recipe for disaster. But again, I'm not going to I'm not going to judge because I don't have all the facts on that gun. That happens with almost every gun out there. Now, uh, Captain Bartlett, um, do you know if that if that 320 is that a striker fired gun or, or do you know? Oh, uh, yes. Yeah, striker fired. Yeah. OK, so it's only it, it only fires in double action, then not single action. Uh, yeah, using those terms loosely. Yeah, it doesn't have a hammer, in other words. OK, yeah. yeah. Great guns. So, I mean, I've, I've got one, too. I compete with one. A very accurate, very good gun. I don't have any concerns with it, but obviously something's going on. Well, crap, you're Brett Bartlett. I mean, you know, I mean, it's like, you know, it's like, uh, you know, Randy Sutton saying that he can he doesn't need to carry a gun. He can carry a knife and get the get the job done with a knife. I mean, you know, you guys are like legends. I mean, you're crap. So I'll throw I'll throw my 320 to the ground and, <laughs> and, and pick it up and then shoot it. Randy, look at look at those hands. Hold those hands up. Randy doesn't need a knife or a gun. Look at those hands. They're probably registered by you know with the FBI or something. Not anymore. We took that back from the FBI. Is that, is that we, right? we pulled our registration back. I kill. I kill them. I kill them dead. I kill you. I kill them dead. Wow. He, he almost sounded like one of those Israelis that used to <laughs> to try to teach you the role, Brett. But that's a whole another story. So yeah. Uh, you know, moving along, uh, let's see, we've got um, eight minutes left before next break, but on Police Tribune, um, speaking of the FBI, it says, as murder soar, the FBI buries the data, according to the article. So, um, and they say that based on the misunderstanding of new FBI data, News Nation, it's reporting that um, just under 15,000 murders occurred in the U.S. during 2021. And it says it's supposedly a large decline from 2020, the year before. But in reality, that figure is far from complete and comprehensive records from death certificates show that about 25,000 people were murdered in 2021. So this is, it's 1,000 more murders than 2020, 6,000 more murders than 2019, and 10,000 more murders than News Nation reported. So it goes on to say that murders have become so common over the past two years that if the murder rate remains at the 2021 level, one out of 100 and every 179 people in the U.S. will eventually be murdered. Um, it talks about a major source of confusion about this FBI issue. It's re I guess it's their the releasing of the fragmentary and inaccessible data on murders and other crimes being done by the FBI. It says that they're part of the DOJ under President Joe Biden's control in 2021, the year Biden became president. The mm -hmm. FBI. FBI started making it far more difficult to access national estimates of murders and other crimes. The agency did this by changing the manner in which it reports the data. So it says every year for more than eight decades, now think about that, for 80 years, the FBI published a report titled Crime in the United States, and it contains national crime estimates for the previous year. So before 2021, the FBI published a report with an overview page and it had all kinds of links, violent crime, property crime, homicide, and all that stuff. And it said that, um, and it led to very easy to get information. But it says since 2021, the FBI has published those reports only via a crime data explorer. And it contains a maze of vaguely worded links, drop down menus and acronyms. And it said it's just, it, it's very difficult to get the information. So is there something to this Randy or not? What do you think? We got almost six minutes. Okay, so they have added they they have added a bureaucracy to what is probably the most bureaucratic law enforcement agency in the country. Nobody can figure out what the hell this new system is, and it, what it's doing is it is giving agencies basically an excuse not to report their stats. So the the, the crime stats are completely skewed throughout the United States. 
New York City didn't put in their their stats. LAPD didn't put in their stats. I don't think any of this is by accident. I think this is a way to to uh, muddy the waters so that uh, America doesn't know uh, just how deeply troubled we are when it comes down to the uh, the violent crime in America. I'm, I'm not a believer in a coincidence. One tiny little bit in this. Wow. All right, Captain. No, if 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 you believe that the FBI hierarchy is is up to let's say shenanigans, this is not quite a reach at all. Not a reach at all. Thousand page report on their shenanigans. Let's add five more pages to that report to show that they're fudging the numbers, if indeed they are. All right. Well, speaking of fudge, Captain Bartlett. Um, yeah, I know. Uh, we have a, an NYC, a New York City uh, fugitive arrested after a federal officer spots him on vacation at Disney World. And look, I threw this in, David, because I'm thinking, man, I mean, you know how many people are at Disney World? And we're talking about Disney World in Florida. This is on lawofficer.com. So we got this. We're in Orlando. So a New York City fugitive. He's been evading authorities for nearly a year. He spotted and arrested last month after a federal officer working his case miraculously sees this guy on vacation at Walt Disney World. The guy's probably with his family. So and, and this guy is just I, I don't want to downgrade what kind of federal officer he is, but he's a postal inspector of, of all things, right? So this postal inspector, it's Jeff Andre. He's hanging out in the animal kingdom, you know, where, where I think Brett likes to hang out. And uh, and he observes this Sean Burton who fled his home in the in Brooklyn uh, in last November after being accused of fraudulently obtaining coronavirus relief, according to the WDWNT. So Inspector Andre he was the investigator who actually signed the original complaint, and he identified this 31-year-old fugitive by a unique cursive letter of the of H um, that was tattooed on his neck. I think it's just a great story. And, and man, postal inspectors should be able to walk around with their heads held up high now. What do you think, Captain? You know, we've been talking for years, Chip, about how postal inspectors are badasses. We just, you know, I, I see my postal guy come by and I go, hey, man, just drop my mail. I don't want any trouble here. I don't want any trouble. I just to put it on the ground. We'll call it good. You know, there must have been in this in this, this officer's mind, you know, a couple of minutes of is that is that really? No, it can't. It cannot be. There's got to be. They say there's no two uh, you know, twins. It can't be. It can't be that guy. But but oh, my gosh. And for Mr. For the bad guy. Hey, buddy, don't go buying any lottery tickets because your number has already come up. Wow. Yeah. Great, great. I love it. I love it. Great. I love I, I love to meet that guy, man. I mean, postal inspector, man. What 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 a great know, and, just a quick thing. Remember back when we were having remember the TurboTax issue? Remember, yeah. you know who stepped up to the plate in a gigantic way? Postal inspectors. They showed us how to link the bad guys to the mail and find out how it was being intercepted, how it was being they really stepped up, and that was that was years ago. So and then they got this guy. Man. All right, unsung heroes. All right. Thanks, guys. Uh, moving back to Rumble. Um, it, um, Captain, did you have something else to say? I don't know how those postal inspectors walk around with those things. I really don't. <laughs> well, the same way Ron DeSantis does, I think. <laughs> yeah. Thanks to uh, Michael MVS in Colorado for supporting the show. And thank you to our sponsors, Motion DSP, Guardian Alliance Technologies, GunLearn.com, MyMedicare.Live, TAC-Tote.com. He's on the show live talking to us. Thanks for doing that. And also Bang Energy for uh, fueling. Our, uh, our talk show and allowing me to talk so fast. Hope everybody has a wonderful and a safe week.